Hello, hello, and welcome to the seventh episode of the Gravescast. Uh, this time we're doing something a little bit differently. It's no longer a two-man show anymore. We're doing a uh, tricast, at least for this episode. And we've got two returning guests. So to my right, we have the famed SoundCloud rapper, recently vaccinated, and the world's most handsome golf course worker, Brayden Kelp Jonas. And to my left, we have the game programming extraordinaire, recent graduate, clop clop, and a Dogecoin holdler, Jacob Prattley. How are you boys doing tonight? Good. Uh, not not my name, but close. Do do you do you want to leak your real name? Yeah. All right. Clarify. Michael J. Fox. <laughs> yeah, we got Michael J. Fox on the podcast now. I don't want anyone to know the first time, but you know. What what was it like being in Back to the Future? Doc Brownie. Oh my God! Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Marty, come on! Is uh, is Johnny B. Good like a triggering song for you then? No, I love that song. Why? Well, I mean, if it reminds you of the you know tragic event between you and Doc, I'd imagine you wouldn't want to hear it at all. No, I'm good, because I've rused you. That's not actually my name. Oh my god, what's your real name? My real name is Braden Hill. Oh my god. Dun, dun, dun. You know, now you're going to get a lot of spam mail asking you to model for them, considering I just said you're the most handsome golf course worker in the world. I just challenged everyone out there. I want to be doxxed. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jacob Prattley, would you like to uh, reveal your true name? Uh, yes, it is um, <clears throat> Michael J. Fox. The, sec- the second, right? Glad to be here. That's crazy. No, no, no. I'm the first. I am Michael J. Fox from Back to the Future. Oh, my God. This is a tricast like I ever predicted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are we going to do? Maybe keep going with the planned topics. You know what? That <laughs> might be a good idea. All right. So for those unfamiliar, for those outside of Canada, for those outside of Ontario, we just got sent into a ridiculous lockdown a couple weeks ago, going a little uh, Aussie style there. Uh, pretty much just can leave for essentials, can leave to exercise. At the initial point, they pretty much took out golf courses, uh, playgrounds were no longer able to be used, and they said that police would be going around uh, doing random spot checks to see if you're really going where you should be. So, obviously that's uh, raised a little bit of controversy around here. Uh, What do you guys have for opinions on that? Sure, uh, yours will be the most passionate there, Brayden. Um... I think that I think that the whole situation is has been completely overblown, and it's just it's just it's gone past the rails at this point. It's just it's stupid. Well, I mean, you lost a job out of it, did you not? I did. I I started working in in the the golf sector, being a turf maintenance man myself. Um, and it seemed it seemed fine to me, right? Yeah. I didn't have to see anyone. I wasn't we could work completely independently. Golfers were not seeing anyone. They just they did everything online. They showed up. 
you know, they each went to their, they each went out by themselves or with like people in their own households. Uh, and then just eat off and then see anyone all day. And then as soon as they finished, went home. But apparently that's not enough uh, just to do everything completely by yourself. Apparently, if you're not stuck in your house doing nothing, it's not good enough for them. <laughs> I take it you miss the fresh smell of dew in the morning? I do. It's a beautiful time in the morning. Pratt, do you have a uh, similar opinion then? Well, overall, I think my opinion can be boiled down to that I think they missed the mark on, on trying to decide what kind of businesses to shut down. Um, you know, like Braden, not Jonas, just said... <laughs> Uh, something like golf you're you're it's such it's such a distant sport you know i can play golf with my family and stay an entire field apart and get the game done and have a good time still um and yet they've shut it down and i i just think they need to put put more thought into um what activities can be done safely uh in the time because they're putting people out of jobs uh and the likewise and even though this shutdown has happened i've still seen Kids, I was walking through the street, oh my God, yeah. and I saw kids wrestling at the park. <laughs> <laughs> and if that, if that's not a way to transmit a virus that takes two weeks to incubate, so you don't even know you have it, then I don't know what is. Uh, I mean, yeah, no, it's pretty much through the ankle biters. I definitely have a similar opinion. Actually, no, more of a different opinion. I mean, I, you're right. The first day of the lockdown, I went out, I was driving by the park. I was like, huh, you know what? We'll see a nice, you know, open grassy space. And of course, there's like 40 fucking kids there with an ice cream truck because the ice cream truck is considered essential because who the fuck could go out, you know, without their ice cream, right? But overall, I mean, like, I always felt like this was kind of a good thing. I think you're right in regards to they missed the mark. But I personally think like we should be trying to stay home as much as possible. And even though there's a low risk of transmission on golf courses, I mean, are you not interacting with the worker? I know you say you're not working or you're not interacting with, you know, uh, the turf staff there. But I mean, what about when you're going and checking in? What about when you're, you know, taking your golf cart down, stuff like that? Like, do you not interact with people outside your household? Uh, No, we had it. So, um, so in the morning, all of our all of our daily jobs would be texted to us from our cars, and then each of us would go in, get the equipment we need, and leave out for the day. And then we'd come back, sit in our car, eat lunch whenever, whenever that person was up for lunch. And then after that, like you could do all this from your phone. You could just you just punch out from your car and then peace out. So there was never a need to go and see anyone at any point. Shit, man. Ooh, I didn't actually know that was the protocol. I mean, in the, in that case, I mean, that's, you know, perfectly fine. And if anything... And it, like, the the whole thing is just, it's stupid. Like, I've been saying from completely right from the beginning is that everyone should have been no shutdowns, no anything. Anyone who is immunocompromised or old were, were the only people who were affected at the time. Those people quarantined pay them the those pay those people to serve who can't work everyone else go with their business get it before variants start to emerge and already have a built-up immunity not so you don't get it again but then so none, none of these people now who are getting it would have been hospitalized but they did a half hat they did a half-ass job then 
and they're still doing a half-assed job, and they don't even know what they're doing. They're just shutting shit down every time fucking someone, some other random doctor whispers something in their ear. <laughs> it really does but, feel like like me playing SimCity, you know, just uh, uh, like it's a reflex reaction and not something that's been thought out or actually put into place to to fix anything, but rather to keep the population uh, thinking that stuff is going on, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, it's a complete joke. Like Like this most recent shutdown that they did, right? They had a four-week stay-at-home order. Golf courses were still open. And then they decided to extend that another two weeks, which has now gone past two weeks. So they're extending it further than what they even originally said. Uh, and all the protocols then were golf courses shut down, playgrounds shut down, everything shut down. And then not even a day or two later, they had enough complaints that they're like, okay, fine, fine. Children can still play at the parks. That's fine. Like nobody frick, nobody cares. Nobody, no one's scared. Like you didn't see people walking around, like in Africa, when there was like an eighty percent death chance when you catch Ebola. They're just playing around at the playgrounds. Like really, no one cares. If anyone cared, you wouldn't just take a mask out of your glove compartment and stick it on every time you need to go to the grocery store. Yeah. No one, no one's scared. No one cares, and it wasn't that big of a deal, but they made it into one. You, you think COVID's been blown out of proportion? It was. Uh, originally, it was. I mean, we've kind of seen the effects, though. With I mean, even those who aren't immunocompromised, there are people that end up losing parts parts of their lung function, right? I mean, I know it's like few and far between. Like, I think, for for me at least, I think the death toll is not the hugest factor that needs to be considered. I mean, when you look at the death toll, it's not a lot. Like, it's what, 1% of people below age 50 or something like that? But when it comes to the lasting effects, I mean, you've got people who are losing lung capacity, people who haven't even, you know, gone their sense of uh, smell or taste back or anything like that. I mean, COVID has kind of permanent effects from what it's seeing, seeming like, right? So even though it's, you know, not going to kill everyone, I think, you know, maybe I, I, I certainly don't agree with the way it's been handled, but I think, you know, taking it as, you know, kind of a national threat, I do think it's right. You know, but it's realistic. like, is that not even of death, but is that like, small one percent or i i'd even argue even less um like of getting like say no no more smell or those very very small people who actually come out with with uh scarred lung tissue like is that worth is that worth killing the livelihoods of every single citizen in canada for the rest of their (laughs) life to save one person I don't. I mean, That's what I don't you think it's always hear. Just oh, if we can just save one more life, if we can just save one more life. Well, well, you're ruining the livelihoods of every other person in the in the whole country. Do you know why they say just one more life? Because if they've proven this before in psych studies that if you show like a profile of one person, people will feel uh, like more um, more you know inspired to help them versus if they say yeah you know like 500 people died. No one cares. Even if you showed like two kids saying like, you know what, these two kids died from COVID, they wouldn't care as much as just the one kid. So that's probably why they're doing that. More of like a marketing strategy more than anything, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. It's like, it's just that nobody, if you don't have the brain capacity to see past one person, then you're just a toddler and you don't need to be in power. <laughs> no, really. I mean, like, what's what's worse now that, None of us can work 
now that what my dad's going to be homeless because he can't afford to pay his rent because he's not a considered essential. But meanwhile, Jeff Bezos can stuff stuff his pockets with another few trillion. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely uh, wealth inequality that does need to be addressed. You're certainly right on that one. How would but you now? It's but now that it's been handled so poorly, right? There's a lot of other people who are starting to die from these new variants, which could have been forded if everyone had already, if ever, if there, these shutdowns hadn't happened. So how would we go about it now then? I know it's you know kind of too little, too late. But what would you guys do differently at this point? Obviously, well, it's just half-assed. Like you either you do nothing, and you just continue trying not to trying not to squash your vaccination program like they already have. <laughs> I'll, I'll, we'll get into that later. How much of a disaster that was when I went. Um, but uh, either do nothing and open everything up so that people can actually live, or do a complete and total absolute shutdown. No grocery stores. No services. No one will see anyone. That's it. If your house is on fire, sorry, we've got if because this if this pandemic is as scary as they say. Can't can't afford anyone to come in contact for two weeks. Okay, stock up on your groceries and that's it. So in that case, are we? Is this the type of thing where we need to be told by the government then? Because I mean, you you look at it as you said before. We're we're half-assing it. First of all, the government is by saying, hey, you know what, like, you know. This is essential, you know, you have fucking clothing stores that are open and just because they sell like, you know, a little bit of food there, like fucking snacks or whatever, they're still open. Or maybe not that, but just there's quite a few loopholes. But what we're looking at is, like you said, no one's fearing it. Everyone's going out. No one's taking it seriously. So in that case, is it the fault of the government or the fault of us? Because we know realistically, you know, if it's lockdown, we should be staying indoors by ourselves. But a lot of people don't take it seriously. It's kind of like the thing back in like grade school where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, if one person talks, we're all going to be here for another two minutes. And there's always that fucking kid at the back of the room who couldn't shut up. And by the end of it, your whole recess was gone. That's what it feels like right now, because, you know, there's groups of people who won't abide by the lockdown. We just can't get over this. Maybe it's because it was never as scary as you thought it was. Like you look at. Like, you look at numbers, right? And they're telling you, oh, our hospitals are overrun. Our ICUs can't handle it. Our nurses are overworked. Well, maybe it's a problem with the healthcare system and not the fact that there's people lining up at the hospital in droves on death's doorstep. Because that's just not the case. Like, you see case numbers like, oh, in this this past month, we've seen, we've, we've seen 50 cases in Halton. Like, 50 people out of everybody in the region of Halton? That's like, what was what's the region of Halton? Like over five hundred thousand, probably. I'm not too sure. Fifty people, and it's not even fifty people who have to even go to the hospital. It's just fifty case counts. Like that's an extremely low number. They're not even sick. They're not even that sick. Like you're making me not work for that. It's un- it's unbelievable. I mean, I think it's just everywhere in general, right? Like even if Halton has a lower case count, I mean, you look at something like the York region and. <laughs> That's got a ridiculous amount. And it's it's all like collaborative, right? Like overall, or sorry, cumulative. And it comes together and, you know, we've got like, what, 3,000 a day in Ontario? Which, yeah, you're right, might be spread out a bit. But every time, you know, they've taken lockdown down, it always ends up going back up because there's just a bunch of cases that keep popping up, especially with the variants now, right? 
and certainly understand where you're coming from because you know the livelihood and the fact how there's no real compensation not even paid sick days is a little over the top <laughs> to say the least Pratt, yeah you, i mean do you, i don't know do you kind of have a stance Pratt? so um i do agree with what nick said about the screaming kid in the background um <laughs> Cause there's a lot of those at the park. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dude, so um, true. Looking up the population of Halton, it's 59,000 people. So that's five, nine, zero, zero, zero. Meaning that in just one day, um, that's point one of the population of an area that is so rural that there's probably more farms than people. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. Um, and the reason it's insane is the reason this is all a big thing is because it's not like the flu. This, as I, as I stated earlier, this virus has a two week incubation period as far as the last time I checked, which was when everything started, which means you have it and you don't do anything about it because you don't know, because for two weeks, there's no possibility of these symptoms showing up. And now for two whole weeks, you've gone around town, um, you've done this non-essential uh, work, you've come into contact with people and you've transmitted it to 59 people in town. Uh, um, that's why these lockdowns have to be put in place because uh, it might not be deadly but it does have its side effects um, uh, and there's side effects that I don't want there's side effects that, that nobody wants and feeling that empathy for other people is essential to keep us as a, a race united uh, humanity that is um, I'm not sure what else to say. Hold on, I'm thinking. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was like, you got your a whole speech to your point, to your point, though, right? This this is straight out of the CDC. The chance of someone being asymptomatic with COVID, and this is not even to say like it's either asymptomatic or you're in the hospital. This is asymptomatic plus everything else, which is just getting the sniffles and a, and a slight cough, right? The chance of asymptomatic is 95. percent So that's going to be one or two people that might feel sick out of everyone that you've that everyone else who has gotten it so once everything's said and done that's a pile of bodies 590 people tall in the halton region yeah that is preventable i think uh lockdown was squandered uh and i think Braden, like you said your golf course was doing it perfectly. Uh, yeah. And you were a prime example of a place that should not have been shut down. I think instead of just arbitrarily picking who or, or what categorically should be allowed, um, result in things like clothing stores offering snacks and being allowed to stay open. I think it should instead be like an audit. You know, they come in and they just make sure that you're, you're on the book um, being safe. Because that is, I think, the only way that livelihood can be maintained in a situation like this. How would you guys have felt about if we, even even now, like now or even at the start of the pandemic, how would you feel if we did the elimination strategy that somewhere like Australia or New Zealand did, I believe, where they just shut I'm down? I'm not familiar. Hmm? I'm not familiar with it. Basically, with what they, did. they completely shut down borders, uh, This, to the best of my knowledge. Uh, completely shut down borders. Uh, you weren't allowed, I think, past five kilometers outside your house. Or you get charged and shit like that. There are people that would, you know, snitch on you if you left your house, etc. 
And I think it was like, you know, these people could go to the grocery store, like buy this postal code on this day type thing. So they really made it super rigid. And I think their lockdown ended up lasting three months or something total. Like they, I think they passed day 100, but now they're not COVID free, but you know, they've pretty much resumed normal life to a certain extent. So is that something you guys would be in favor of, first of all, you know, doing it previously or even doing it now? No, not not at all. Like, you have to remember the original purpose of these lockdowns, which they, the big lie they said they told everyone, which is the, the, we just need two weeks. Uh, it's just going to be two week lockdown just so we can just so we can stop the curb. Right. St- yeah. Stomp the curb. That was the original. That was the original thing. As our hospitals couldn't possibly take the amount of people that were predicted to go in. Um, and now they don't. Right. But how how long do you have to keep doing that? That's there's clearly something wrong here. That it, like now they're trying to okay. We need to lock down because we need to keep these numbers at zero. If you didn't want a, sev- a single person to ever die of any disease ever again, yeah, we could all just stay in our homes forever, never see another person. That's not how life works. Imagine if that was the key to immortality. Dude, would you would you guys do it if that was the key to immortality? No, no. No, I wouldn't. Yeah, probably. I mean, Zero what, what, are, what are we counting as your house? Like, could I sit there and move to Great Wolf Lodge and just live there for my entire life? No, no. You'd be on a water slide with other people unless you buy the whole lodge. That's what I'm saying. Buy the entire lodge. Well, then okay. it'd just be you there. So what does it matter? Then because be I get like water Jeff slides and shit, man. That'd be exciting. I could like quarantine myself off into a room when people come in. Like we could swap out the water slides every couple of years, do some construction. I mean, technically, it, it wouldn't be easy to not be in contact with people, but you know, it might be manageable. But, I mean, <laughs> I think you get bored eventually. Just kind of yeah. like... You'd have, I'd have to agree. It'd be quite boring without people. I, th- I think in general, like, the one thing this pandemic has really taught me is, like, just... Screens aren't the same. I mean, we've gotten such a put Like, even in the video game world, there's been such a push nowadays where it's like, oh, we're not going to do couch co-op anymore. It's like, you know, if I want to play this game online multiplayer with you, I have to be at my house on my computer. You have to be at, on, you know, your computer at your house. And we no longer have this kind of, you know, four people sit around and we can just play whatever game, split the screen, right? I think they're starting to take out that functionality in quite a few games nowadays. Yeah. I would agree well, with you. That That's because of following the trends. People, just because you want to play more four-person couch co-op games doesn't mean that the average person buying said product also does. These kind of things are measured and monitored at all times to make sure that the optimal product is being delivered. Oh. And people just move away from it. But who knows? Resurgence of couch co-op might actually come out of this pandemic. That's a very good thing to think about yeah no it it totally could i'm not sure if we're ready for it though (laughs) a lot of people have been like i've seen a lot of posts on facebook and stuff that are saying like yeah cool you know i've got my vaccination my friends are going to get their vaccinations but what am i going to do because i don't not that they don't know how to be social but they don't feel like they'll go out that much because they're kind of scared to i suppose 
Well, I've told you guys before. The first thing I'm doing is licking the sidewalk. <laughs> Dude, I, I think next winter is when we're going to start opening up. I think you'd rather lick a pole first. Hang on a second. Imagine like death by death by has someone ever died from licking a pole and just being left there like starved to I don't want to look it up but probably I, I doubt it. Dude. Like you, you you know you can free yourself it just hurt. But if 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 you free yourself then you've lost your entire tongue. No, I know that. What? <laughs> Are you kidding me? It's like rip, a cartoon, rip the man. the top layer off. <laughs> Oh, I mean, you're going to lose taste for a while, but the body's pretty resilient. It'll grow back. Not the same, but <laughs> Dude. I, that's a good question. Do taste buds grow back if you rip them out? Um, uh, I believe so. Maybe. I believe taste buds regenerate. Part of living. <laughs> well, <laughs> used to be. <laughs> Imagine we figured out that like, you know, you sit there, you lick a pole, you pull yourself away, your tongue gets stuck there. But your taste buds don't regrow, but instead an entire body regrows from that top layer stuck on the pole. <laughs> like Deadpool. Is that how it works? Yeah, Deadpool regenerates. Come on. Dude, I said that would be like the scariest potential for like world domination. You literally like slid off a bit of your tongue and you have another soldier cloning yourself. Oh, like that episode of Spongebob where Patrick takes his hand off and then it grows into another Patrick that only karate chops stuff? I don't think... Is that a new episode? <laughs> I believe it's season six. It might be season seven. For the viewers at home, uh, since uh, Spratly's been graduated, he's been doing a Spongebob marathon. <laughs> I aim to watch every single episode. Do you have a favorite episode right now? You too, is you too ready? <laughs> Oh, that's a good question. I really, really enjoy Rise and Shine. Uh, it's an episode that starts with SpongeBob waking up, and then, you know, he does his morning routine, and then he says, I wonder how Patrick's morning goes. And then the entire rest of the episode is just focused on how Patrick wakes up, and he gets into so many funny situations. I love it. I can't say I've ever seen that one. <laughs> that, does sound, that does sound like classic SpongeBob, though. Yeah. What about you, Braden? Um, I don't know. It's been such a long time since I've seen it. Okay, you know, I, one one episode I really remember is the one the the one the whole episode that's like the song. It's the best day ever. Oh gosh, I feel like that I go crazy hearing that, just over and over. What about the campfire song? Oh, the campfire <laughs> song, song, campfire song, song. Is it C -A -M -P -F -I -R -E? That is a great one. F I R E camp. Oh God, I can't even do it. <laughs> Can you guys do it? C A M P F I R E S O N G song. C A M P F I R E S O N G song. And if you don't think that we can sing it faster, then you're wrong. With help, if you just sing along. I don't think I know the rest of it. That's just how it goes. It just gets faster and faster. Yeah, I'm song. Patrick, song. C-A-M-P-F-R-E. Squidward. <laughs> Good. <laughs> oh, yeah. That would be like, it'll help. It'll help. Yeah, the ending. If you just sing along. Boom, 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 <laughs> boom. Man, maybe I should rip that and then we can make that the official uh, Graves Cast Under song. <laughs> Get ready to be sued harder than you've ever been sued before. 
Dude, I'm pretty yeah, sure you, you can you get. Can... Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure you can get DMCA'd like that pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, just... uh, yeah. Dude, you you're gonna DMCA just because we sang it? Maybe because I've heard other podcasts before where they just like they're like, oh yeah, you remember that song, right? And they'll say like one sentence, but nothing more than that. Because apparently, even if you sing it yourself, you're getting DMCA'd. But no, I don't. I don't think so. Well, you shouldn't be able to. Like. I mean, we were so horribly off key. I don't think any robots will recognize it. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but who knows? I, I I see a guy in chat here, the Wahlberg. He might be here. He might be a secret uh, undercover Twitch cop. Colonel Kelp oh, timed out the Wahlberg for ten seconds. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing your due diligence. I do appreciate it. All right. All right. So moving past that, uh, if you if you go ahead, go ahead and tell us your vaccination experience before we move on, because I know you said okay. you want to touch on this. Right. So, um, set the scene. Right. I, I, me and Shauna, we're getting her. We're getting ours around the same time, about an hour apart. Okay. How did um, you get there? Would you drive in? What were you wearing oh, at the time? What were oh your emotions? Set up a wearing... scene. I was wearing sweatpants. Or no, I wasn't wearing sweatpants. I was wearing jeans and a uh, shirt. Uh, we're driving along down to Oakville. And then we roll up. We, I, the lady, lady waves me in the parking lot. I come in. She says, line up five minutes before your appointment. It was a trick, trick question because there was no line. I just walked right into the building. <laughs> um... And then I got inside and I was stopped by someone. And then they said, hold on, wait here. It's like, oh, okay. I, I just have to come in. It's like, no, 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 no. We're quite busy. And you look inside and there's like 50 people packed into this tiny lobby. Oh, no. Um, like, like no social distancing, like whatsoever. And, uh. So then I kind of go through, and th these ladies are like, these ladies are literally sitting like next to each other, like, and they're all like, you know, on their phone texting whatever, and they're like, oh hello hello, and uh, they're like, okay, we're we're gonna screen you now, I'm like, oh, okay, and they hold up this ginormous sign with like all these symptoms, they're like, do you have any of these? Is like, no, <laughs> like okay, you can move along. Uh. And then I'm like, all right. So I keep moving through, right? And all of a sudden, this guy like pulls me over to the side. Like they had, I guess they have this like this next screening stage, and they have these people sitting down. They have like the plastic things protecting them or whatever, right? Like a usual like store. Kind of like chairs beside each other. Uh, they have chairs, but they have like their own little individual like plastic stations. Okay. That they're in. Uh. This guy decided he didn't want that, so he just pulls me off to the side to talk to like stand like two feet from me to ask to grill me on questions. Um, right, so I I am a golf course worker, um, and a few weeks ago they said that um, uh, agricultural workers are are eligible for the vaccine, right? Uh, so I'm like, hey, good, sign me up. I get there and they 
and the guy, I'm like, he's like, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm an agricultural worker. It's like, okay. It's like, uh, I'm, I'm, I work at a golf course. Like, I'm, I'm under the landscaping sector. He's like, oh, I don't think that counts. Let me go check with my supervisor. And then this supervisor comes over and he's trying to tell me that doesn't count. I'm trying to tell him, listen, bud, <laughs> under the law, the law which on which I get, like, if I work 15 hours that day, I get zero overtime pay because that's how agricultural workers get paid under the law, right? I'm, I'm trying to tell this guy, oh, I'm like, yeah. you can look it up. It's under the law. I'm an agricultural worker and you you need to give this to me. I'm already here. Don't waste the appointment time and don't make me like call some fucking bylaw officer or something because you're being a little shithead. He's like, oh, okay, let me go check with my supervisor. Comes back and he's like, no, see, we don't have golf courses under any of these listed programs. Like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Like, it says right there, agricultural workers. That's what I am. I'm an agricultural worker. He's like, all right. I'll, I'll let, me, let me go find my supervisor. Supervisor comes out. He's like, oh, yeah, really sorry for the mix-up. Um, I don't really know if they count. Uh, I believe you, so I'm just going to let you get it anyways. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> wow, okay. So, like, really, nothing really matters. And they, they make you get this, like, this sheet like of proof of your work okay like they made me go to my work which is not even which at the time that i that i registered for the vaccine it was open but it's no longer open so i had to go see my boss to get him to sign this thing to say that i'm an agricultural worker didn't check it once didn't do anything they just waved me on through after that into this giant room with maybe like 200 people um and they all have these like chairs like lined up in rows yeah and, and there's no protections of anything whatsoever like you just the the nurse has this like pole cart and this this wheelie chair <laughs> and you just like there's a person like every two feet or every two or three feet with a chair and this nurse just rolls up with the wheelie cart in the chair and she just like gives you your, your vaccine and then makes you sit there for 15 minutes i'm like how is this like safe in any capacity like it makes no sense did you ask them about I, it i did they're like yeah i don't know <laughs> like, oh, all right um so yeah they just you know yeeted the moderna in my arm said <laughs> in 15 minutes go back there i said okay and then i went back there they gave me this receipt they were like here's your receipt bring this with you to your next appointment. I was like, uh, okay. It's like, when's that? It's like, uh, well, since, since there's like a supply thing, I was like, what, what supply thing? It's like, she's like, it's like, well, personally between me and you, I don't think it's a supply thing. I think it's just an incompetence thing. Um, but the time between, right. The time that you're supposed to get your vaccines is, is two weeks after the original shot. Right. Really? I thought it was four months. Here, no, 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 no. no. You're in Canada in four months. Oh. Both the Pfizer and Moderna companies said, we really think that's a really bad idea. And you probably, we highly recommend that it's two weeks after. And Canada said, oh, no, 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 no. Because <laughs> opt to get as many people their first shots as possible. Um, so then, now, because it, they take so long between shots... 
Um, now they're starting to talk about needing everyone in Canada needing a booster shot after one year. Damn. So we're gonna have to go through this again. So they don't even work apparently because they take so long. Wow, yeah, that's that's so. Um, what's the word? I don't know if abhorrent is the right word. I just don't like how it's being handled at all. It's just terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because the whole point of the two weeks after is, like, uh, after your body has started to develop, it's like a pop-up, so then you know exactly you, you, you're ready, you know? That's like, yeah. uh, I'm trying to think of an analogy, but I really can't. Um, <laughs> it's like changing your furnace filter four months after you're supposed to, and then your house burns down. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you guys the best part, right? Because this is, this is just absolute... This represents Canadian healthcare for you, right? <laughs> okay. So if you got the dough, you can go to your own. Uh, you can go to a center and get an antibody test, and if that shows that you don't have the COVID nineteen antibodies from the first vaccine, like if they're lacking after the first few weeks, because they're supposed to be, because you're supposed to get your second shot by then. Yeah. Then you can go and get your second shot right away. What's what's the price? Uh, I think it's a couple hundred bucks. It's not too bad. I mean, it's a couple. It's not bucks, worth. Like, I, right hey, now. you know like, what? what you... If I have a couple hundred bucks lying around, I'll I'll do it. Why not? I I know not yeah, everyone exactly. has that option. How many people do you know that doesn't? Yeah, not exactly. Bad. That easy to just say, okay, you're free to have your second shot. Why can't they just do that? Like I understand. Nick Graves. Yes. <laughs> your willingness to just do drop a hundred dollars at a medical clinic because of the government's own incompetence <laughs> you're, you're willing to pay a hundred dollars to make up for them not doing their job is just i don't know proof to the conspiracy that this could be a money thing hey you know what i'm certainly willing to hear that all i'm saying is you know what given that it's out of my control i'll do whatever i can and it, it, it sucks i mean that's just but that's how it is right now no I mean, you look like, all right, there's a lot of problems with the state's healthcare. You could say it's it's definitely not a perfect solution at all. But my God, their hospitals are empty as you can imagine. And pretty much no everyone is almost fully vaccinated down there. Yeah, actually, I uh, that irritates me the most because they were so far behind. They were like crumbling, it seemed. And now we're the ones that are crumb. Like they they've won the race, they were so far behind, and now we've just like blown up at the finish line. I just love how patriotic the promise to get everyone vaccinated by the Fourth of July is. It's the most <laughs> American thing I've ever heard, and it's beautiful. Should have all gotten vaccinated by the first. <laughs> Fucking Canada Day, man. Ugh. But yeah, even it's just ridiculous even when we all do get vaccinated it, is this protecting against the variants not all oh god that scares me <laughs> like they tell you and too like you get, you get vaccinated and you still have to comply with all lockdown rules and everything because you can still spread it oh so i get to i have to do this thing and it still doesn't matter i see and it won't matter for another year because you guys are so freaking slow. I think it's all about puzzle pieces, right? Like it's the the benefit is only gained through the collective effort. 
Now, I know obviously they're not making it easy, but in the end, we've all got to do this so that we can move on, right? Well, that's the thing, right? It's like how like people are trying to get it done. Like I, I'll finish my story as well. It's like my my boss, like the guy, like the superintendent of the golf course. He uh, he went to the same place as I did a day later, and he called me. He called me last night, and he was saying, "He's like, did you get your shot?" It's like, yeah. I mean, I had to argue with them a little bit, but I got it. And he's like, they wouldn't allow me to get it. They said I wasn't huh. eligible. Wow. And and I tried, and I was like, I said to him all the things I said. He said I said the exact same things, and they completely refused to give to me and said if I don't, if I didn't leave, I, they'd call security. Wow. They Dude. probably looked so, it up after you got yours. <laughs> yeah. Luck, yeah, maybe the lucky but, exception. But it's like it's it's and there was other people there who were just like, like there was no joke. Another person there that was like, "Hey, I'm here for this this reason." Um, I think it was like she was saying that she was working in some retail store. Um, and they were like, I was just hearing this while I was waiting for my turn. They were like, "Ah, uh, uh, retail's not not eligible." Um. That that's phase. That's next phase. That's phase three. I thought. So, oh well. Aren't they... She's like, well, you know, like, I was told that this would this would work. This would be fine. They're like, sorry, this is ineligible. It's like, well, you know, I do have this health condition. They're like, oh, you have a health condition? Uh, yeah. Go right in. Really? No questions asked. No questions asked. <sighs> Not even a hint of proof required. Now, why... now granted, was she, I like I imagine she probably wasn't lying, but like, she could have, like. Like That's you could true. just make up any reason and just go. It doesn't matter. They don't check. Huh. It's just a complete shit show. And like I was saying with my boss, it's like, well, why wouldn't they just do you? Now there's just an empty slot that's not being filled. That's just another delay because someone interpreted the rules their own way because they're so vague and stupid. Yeah. No, I, I can't. No, I can't disagree on that one. Wow. Why do you th- why do you think that is? Why do you think they would just say, "Oh, you have a health condition, go ahead." Is it or is it because of the culture nowadays where it's like if you ask them about the health condition that could be construed as like offensive or, you know, pushing too much? I don't know. Like maybe it's out of a place of empathy, but yeah. Dude. It's hard to say. It's uh, definitely a shit show, I'll give you that. I'm <laughs> I this is the first time I'm hearing about this too, so it's it's good to hear your side for sure. I, I I had no clue either until I went and I was like, this is just a complete shit show. It's like nobody knows what's going on around here. Well, I mean, what are we gonna do, right? What can we do? Huh? Protest, change the world, change the riot, world. riot, <laughs> Ryan, St- storm the White House again. Yeah, it seems to work down there. Like the eighteenth, like oh god, dude. Thankfully, they they are they are catching most of those, eh? Because most of those dumb fucks took uh, took pictures for social media. Yeah. Uh, I I love I've seen there's one guy who took all the photos from there and made like Street Fighter characters out of them. So <laughs> there's like the one guy wearing like the woolly mammoth tusks or whatever, and it's like Tusk Man or something, and there's like uh bl- not blonde girl, but just a bunch of ridiculous ones. It was hilarious. God, our our state of uh, politics right now is just fucking ridiculous, man. Figure it'll all get better as uh, COVID moves on. 
Anyways, I guess uh, we should probably move on to a little more of a happier topic. So, Pratt here introduced me to this wonderful world of Dogecoin. Yes, sir. Dogecoin, do you want to explain it for the audience here? So, a long time ago... In a galaxy um, far, far away. In a galaxy far, far away, there were some people on the internet who wanted to be able to purchase things and not be <laughs> traced. <laughs> so they came up... I'm sure there was probably other reasons behind it, but um, they came up with a method of transactions that were secure, traceable, and unfakeable. Um, and this, uh, this method of transferring money was later referred to as a cryptocurrency due to the use of cryptography. Probably, I think. Uh, cryptocurrencies have since exploded. Uh, I'm sure everyone has heard about them. Uh, and I do believe they are the future, but uh, specifically, I believe there is one crypto to rule them all known as Dogecoin. In 2013, Dogecoin was created as a meme to make fun of the whole concept of cryptocurrency and the fact that anyone can do it. Um, and it has recently... Uh, with the with the rush of GME fresh off their heels, uh, had a push. A lot of people have backed this uh, coin, and we're trying to send it to the moon. Of course, I am one of these sheeps holding on to my 438 <laughs> coins, um, and it's a lot of fun. Now, do you actually think it's going to go to the moon? Because not going to lie, once you told you told me about this, I think around when GME was uh, flourishing and you just talked about it casually. You're like, yeah, man, we're at like six cents. You know, I've got 438 Dogecoins from the brave browser. And I was like, yeah. you know what, whatever, this isn't worth shit. And then once I think Elon Musk tweeted about it and went up to 30 cents, I was like, holy shit, there might be potential here. I think I sunk about $40 into it. Uh, sold off earlier. Didn't, uh, come down with the rest of the people there <laughs> dropping down 29 cents or 26 cents whatever it was but to me it just it seems like everyone was super hyped for doge day you know the slim jim commercial the elon tweet or whatever but it just kind of crashed and burned well if you look at the volumes of of doge on doge day um and actually leading up to it there is a reason that that happened um specifically one wallet uh, it's unknown who it belongs to, as far as I'm aware, uh, is a very big whale, or at least they used to be. A whale is someone who owns a <laughs> large share or is willing to dump a large amount of money into something, right? We use that term in a lot of economic situations, like uh, video games, but who knows, maybe we'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, and as of April 16th, that whale started selling... Uh, a million doge coins from their wallet every 15 to 20 minutes which forced the price down significantly oh, yeah. because that's how it goes down with crypto when you buy it goes up when you sell it goes down um to put it in layman's terms like and it's all about rarity what... right like exactly. the more you buy the less there is i believe so something yeah. like Supp that supply and demand right but the Doge Day disaster of 2021 <laughs> was caused solely by this whale. If you look, there are spikes in purchases of people trying to fight back. But no, it's one big wallet that was able to tank the entire economy. But now it's out. And Elon Musk is keeping his promise. A long time ago, he said, if the whales sell, I will be behind Dogecoin completely. And the whales sold. 
And uh, lo and behold, Elon Musk is going on Saturday Night Live on May 8th and tweeted the something about the Doge father. So I'm very excited. I have that recorded already on my PVR. What are we what what are we expecting there? Cuz I mean, I sold off a couple of days ago cuz I I rebought. I was like, yeah, you know what? Maybe there's something happening here. I sold off when it hit about 30 cents. I think it brought me up to like $45 American or something. And I was hoping to buy more before, you know, the 8th, but it seems like it's actually steadily going up. I think it hit 33 cents today. So uh, what are we expecting this SNL skit to really do? Like, what are we predicting? So I'm no economist. I am no mathematician. I am but a humble gameplay programmer. Uh, greater gameplay, technically. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we saw last time this kind of celebrity endorsement happened. Dogecoin jumped from 16 cents, where it was sitting, all the way up to, uh, I'm talking in Canadian, to 52 at its peak, um, which was a significant amount. I don't remember the percentage, but if we if we see that, um, and we see that the world of cryptocurrency does technically work on percentages, um, I think it's likely that that Elon Musk going on Saturday Night Live and promoting it and saying like, "Hey, whatever he's going to say." Um, has the potential to push it through the hypothetical roof of one dollar you you think it's going above one dollar on may 8th we were already halfway there no not on may 8th but (laughs) but probably a few days after dude i don't know about that i mean like i it's you gotta call it what it is it's a joke coin it's a meme coin to quote elon musk himself fate loves irony uh the most ironic outcome would be that the coin created as a joke to make fun of cryptocurrencies and becomes the real currency. But because yeah. it's pretty inevitable that that crypto is taking over um, the the currency world. It would create a a much more simple, secure, uh, less controlled environment for people to make purchases across borders. I don't have to convert to Indonesian rupiah. <laughs> I wouldn't say that necessarily. How come? Like things like Bitcoin are way too expensive to to buy into to use. Yep, that's fair. Well, that's not that's not necessarily that because you're not you don't have to buy one Bitcoin. Um, if you're buying a house with Bitcoin, I don't know how much a house costs. I should have picked a better option. <laughs> say <laughs> let's say four hundred thousand for. God, a that's that's oh. so cheap, man. I know it's cheap, but just say it. All right. So I'm buying my $400,000 cardboard box, uh, and we're just going to round Bitcoin down to $40,000 a coin. That's 10 Bitcoins. I didn't need to buy more than that. I didn't need to buy less than that. I was paid by my job in Bitcoins. I have four Bitcoin, four, 10. I have 10 Bitcoins because I've saved up 10 Bitcoins. And regardless of if they have an extremely high value, you can still break them down into portions, which is what you see, you know, like. Um, in my portfolio of cryptocurrency before I switched it all into Doge like an irresponsible gambler. <laughs> um, I had like 0.65 Bitcoin, and that's perfectly fine. Is that more simple though? No, no, no. Point, hold on. 0.65 Bitcoin? That would be like 30,000. Whoa, 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 whoa. Zero, 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 zero. Yeah, zero, okay. <laughs> 0.65. Yeah, <laughs> I just had seven Bitcoins. It wasn't yeah. that much. Yeah, I was going to buy pizza with it. <laughs> Simplicity, well, so 
numbers are arbitrary, right? We count on base 10 because we have 10 fingers. Um, money was made up, numbers were made up, and there's no reason why shifting over to another type of money to create unification would be any more complex than just using dollars and cents. Because I would much rather live in a world where I don't have to convert my money to use it. But how do you tip your pizza diet driver in Doge? Well, sorry, I'm reading the chat. Um, <laughs> in the exact same way you buy anything with Doge, digital transfer. Nowadays, homeless people even have those little squares that you can pay with your card on. Um, there's no reason for us to not just wirelessly transfer money from one to another in the secure system that is as of right now, pretty much impossible to hack or change or steal from. Yep. I know I'd like uh, to live in a world where my money's safe and I don't have to be afraid of fraud. But and I don't even have to have so my you, you, as fraud alert. You never think that the governments are going to try and dip their hands into this once it becomes more widespread? Of course they will, but by platform, like by the fact that it exists, it is... Um, What's the word? Secure, uh, people-less. The way a cryptocurrency works is it's like a ledger system or a system of who owes what that everyone keeps track of. There is no one in control because everyone just has identical lists. Now, I get what you're saying, and I certainly see the merit of it, but I think the big question is, like, you're talking about this being a universal currency. And, you know, the issue of, oh, I don't want to transfer it from Indonesian rupiah to Canadian dollars to U.S. dollars, whatever. How many people care that much to push this into an international currency? Because me, I'm fine, you know, banking at CIBC or TD. It doesn't affect me. I don't feel like my money is, you know, not secure. I mean, behind the surface, you know, it, it's totally insecure. I mean, I can sit there and, you know, take a, a credit card, you know, throw 10 grand on it. It's not like I have the 10 grand or, you know, the bank has technically if everyone took out a credit card, put 10 grand on it and then just spent it all. The bank doesn't have that money. The bank just art artificially makes up those numbers to compensate for it. No, no, it doesn't. You sure? <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> so the I bank actually it. it. So the bank, basically the way it works um, is like the way it, it's able to lend out so much money to people is it basically borrows the money from everyone who has an account with the bank. Um, so when you put your money into your account, right? Uh, the bank technically like takes possession of your money and yeah. uses that to lend other people money with your money. And it also uses your money to invest in stocks for the bank to then make a return for them. That's why using a bank sometimes gets you a little uh, percent increase yeah. every year. Interest. It's like they're paying you back for using your money. Okay. Yeah. So let's say we all want to take our money out then. Are we all going to be able to convert that money at cash? No, right? Not without putting the bank under, but there's no way that kind of a coordinated effort would actually happen. It's kind of what the system is built on. No, but I'm saying theoretically, right? Yeah, it could definitely happen. So, or like, it, theoretically, yeah, if we did that, it would just crash the bank because they would be left with nothing. So the point is... But in is, a theoretical worst-case scenario, you could also just get hit by a random ray from the sun <laughs> and die. But the, the, the only point I'm trying to make here is the bank does have some freedom when it comes to, you know, managing this type of money. 
But in general, like, I just, I don't feel like I'm insecure having the bank handle my money. I don't feel like I'm going to lose it all to, you know, TD or CIBC, whatever. I don't think there's really a need for us to all go into Bitcoin. I just think it overcomplicates things for no real reason. <laughs> so it's not about separation from the bank, because remember, regardless of, of which bank you're using, you're still working with Canadian dollars. It's more of an issue of separation from the country. If Canada suddenly decides to do something terrible, I don't I don't actually know what. I'm not enough of an economist to uh, know what would drive the price of a currency down. But if Canada's on-par dollar with the United States suddenly became on-par with Indonesian rupiah, which I'm only bringing up as an inside joke with uh, <laughs> NF Graves here and I, we, we bet with it because it's such large numbers. Um, <laughs> if Canada's currency was to plummet, you're not getting more money. They're not compensating you, right? If, if one Canadian dollar is suddenly worth one American cent, you still have the same amount of Canadian dollars you had in your bank the day that it was worth the same. And yet you're one of the poorest people in the world now. So well, you want that's a, a very big understatement, but you want uh, international equivalency then is what you're saying. If we use something like a cryptocurrency and Canada goes under, you've now lost nothing. You are isolated and separated from the country and they're not in control about what you're worth anymore. So really what we're looking at is almost like globalization effort. Mm -hmm. And globalization is really good because the more we work together as a species, the further we can just push ourselves. Uh, as I brought up, well, started to bring up a while ago, um, the reason we survived as a, a, a species of animal is because of our ability to think and our ability to live together in groups. And suddenly we've decided to not. And then racism was invented and now we've stopped. <laughs> Yeah. I think we just we need to come together if we want no, to. No, people were always like that. Further. Don't don't. It's not a new thing. Yeah, I wouldn't sugarcoat it. Um, Back when we were living in tribes. Yes, tribe tribes hated each other. That's <laughs> a known thing. Like they just kill each other because they're from different tribes. <laughs> I love how it's we always. All... <laughs> it's always been a thing, but like where, like who are these? All right, so. So? so basically you like the way you would like you would want the world to head to is have no sort of economical system in place just one central coin that everyone trades with no uh just cryptocurrencies in general used or accepted as regular currency instead of used like stocks but would so you wouldn't want it to replace regular currency just be widely available uh i think with that wild availableness and the perks that come with it eventually it will just natural selection take over as the dominant use of payment so you're not but then won't it just become the same thing as currency is now except you won't except have, no like, longer except... centralized okay but let's say hold on no you... won't it won't it be centralized yeah Unless they fundamentally change what the cryptocurrency is, then it's not centralized. Oh, there's no I, I, organization sorry. in control of it. Sorry, I, that's not what I, that's not what I meant. I meant like uh, like globalized. That's what I meant. Yeah, so globalized like, is good. <laughs> so like, no, I mean like, so it'll be like everyone will use the same thing, right? Yeah, 
And then I can just go down to the United States and not have to worry about changing my money or any kind of exchange rates. Okay. Yeah, but, but couldn't they just they could just do that with any money? Like we, everyone in the world could just say, okay, we all use U.S. dollars now. Exactly, but then we're all bent on the U.S. standard, and if the U.S. goes under, then suddenly the world's lost its value. Okay, but let's say you you said you weren't in favor of just doing one coin as currency, right? Like you wouldn't just want to be Bitcoin as the global currency, right? Well, I just I just am against that because it sounds kind of totalitarian or okay. You know, like so you want the same thing with <laughs> yeah, currency now, literally. just with bitcoins. You would say like, then you have to convert from Bitcoin to Dogecoin well, yeah. when you're tipping your waitress. <laughs> if for some reason this establishment only accepts Dogecoin, but that's the um, point. That's what you're trying to avoid. Each country has their their oh, own right. currency that they accept, and I think that's dumb. <laughs> But you, you said you didn't want it to just be Bitcoin because that's totalitarian, but then no, you're just... No, it sounds totalitarian. Okay, but so if we just incorporate like other the, coins, you know, then... Only one currency, that's creepy. Yeah, but if you incorporate other coins, we're just doing the same thing that we've done before. It's... So how, how so? Because right now we have, you know, US dollar, Canadian dollar, Indonesian rupiah. You want to move to just doing cryptocurrency, like you know bitcoin so it can be hey i'm going to the u.s i can just take my money i don't like my bitcoin i don't need to convert into something else but assuming mm -hmm. that we open it up to more coins maybe it's like oh the u.s now uses dogecoin instead of the u.s dollar i'm gonna go over the u.s i still have to convert over a dogecoin instead of you know bitcoin and that's that's a flawed system but that's not how it would work because that is narrow-minded of whoever would be in power so um accepting being as big brand as yourself what would you propose accepting cryptocurrency is the standard that we're talking about like period i'm just it's like saying well oh i can't get a, a visa card because the gas station only accepts mastercards I'm that just, sounds pretty stupid right yeah exactly <laughs> I'm just not seeing the advantage here. It's decentralized. And it has the potential to globalize the world. Well, from a money kind of thing. Right. So, is that a good thing, though? Because that would then combine any... That would then drag down anyone with a strong economy to anyone with a weak economy. And we can then represent ourselves as the planet Earth. So you're a communist. Exactly. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. The secrets we've learned on the show. We have Michael J. Fo <laughs> we have Michael, Michael J. J. Fox, Fox and call me Michael J. Fox. <laughs> Dude, who would, who, would, who would survive in a battle between call me Michael J. Fox and regular Michael J. Fox? So what advantages does the communist one have? Pardon? Uh, what advantages? None. I guess he's what starving because he only gets bread. <laughs> I think he's a little mentally impaired. Isn't Have that... you ever had shit stains in your meundies? <laughs> With uh, coupon code Graves, you can now go to meundies.com slash Graves for your first pair for free. We're also sponsored Maybe. by Honey and Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lordy. Go to Honey today for your free shot Raid Shadow Legends code. code. <laughs> and if you call 905-873-1112, Brayden 
will take his pair of MeUndies and send it to you free of charge. Full of genuine shit stains. <laughs> the Crave's cast guarantee. Um, <laughs> the uh, there's no real segue for this, boys. Uh, the other day I was thinking, my parents have been asking me over and over again, what the fuck are you doing with your life? And honestly, I have no fucking idea. I'm a, I'm a couple years away from graduating with a uh, psych BA. I've looked into some of the careers that people have. Uh, you know, some of them go on to actually become a psychologist. Some of them go working as like ABA specialists, which are uh, people that work with people with autism. And there's some that end up just working as cashiers at the local McDonald's. So to me, it's like there's no real defined path when it comes to that type of stuff. And I've asked everyone around me, what the hell are you going to do with your degree? And everyone always says, you know, like, if I'm going for biology, I want to do something in biology. Oh, I'm going for, you know, like, eco-science. Oh, I want to do something in eco-science. But it doesn't seem like people have a good sense of what jobs they want to do nowadays. So is that an issue? And it seems like we're getting pushed to go to these post-secondary institutions. It's almost seeming like a prerequisite for life at this point. I mean, I know my dad, like, you know, he says that the warehouse workers now, if, if you want a lift box for PepsiCo, then they're starting to look for degrees now. And it's like, is, is that really required? No, I don't think so. So why, why are we being pushed so much to go to like post-secondary education nowadays? I think that push is coming from uh, a, a drive to allow the youth to follow their dreams. Um, and it's just kind of been <laughs> drawn out of control with the whole warehouse workers needing degrees. But now we're, I mean, we're also seeing it where, you know, we're sitting there or applying to these jobs. And after we get our degree, it's like, yeah, you know what? We want your degree. And we also want five years of experience on top of it. Like, Who's winning here? It's it's getting harder and harder to get a job, even if you do have a university degree. Because there's more and more people who are educated now because of the push to get degrees. So what's the solution? Because, I mean, a lot of people, they're now pushing, um, it seems like they're pushing trades more because nobody really wants to go into trades since everyone has the you know grand idea of I want to sit in, in an office and do my nine to five, right? Which is really yep. nice. And I mean, I, I think you'd probably have a different perspective here, Brayden, because, I mean, you're, you're starting to go to university now, but you pretty much went into the workforce initially, right? Well, I'm not in university yet. Uh, I'm, it, it'll, it won't be, uh, like I'll have to decide at the end of the year if I want to do it next year, because for my courses, like it's over the winter time, so it's a little different. Um, but I mean, like, yeah, you two kind of have the same thing where you don't have the necessary, necessarily like the same drive to work with your hands in the outdoors. Like you'd rather work with your hands to create something maybe more digitally, perhaps, perhaps. um, which is, which is fine. That's where you kind of, that's where you can, you know, find your passions. But I... I, I I work outside. I like to work with my hands. It's it's what I've always liked 
the most um which i never was never good at things like math or anything like that but uh gym class music things where i could produce something with my own with my own body it was really something that uh, i in and so that's the that's the career path i continue to work in um i've worked there for eight eight years now wow and i i personally i know a lot more than a lot of people who who come out of school for this sort of stuff like and i already have things such as like my my pesticides license my operator's license, which are all exams I, I've had to study for and do on my own tuition or, or, in, or uh, in, initiative, <laughs> the right word. Huh. Um, but in order for me to keep to, to continue, they like into like an assistance job or a superintendent's job down the road, experience doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is. Uh, if you come out with a diploma or a degree, and I don't, I don't understand. I don't see the reason. Like, yes, there is like, like a higher level of knowledge that you could you could reach, right? But you and you look at everyone in the younger generation who spends what like basically eighteen years of their life in school to go for another potentially six to eight years. Oh yeah. They know nothing of the workforce. They've never worked a day in their lives yet. Like maybe like a little summer job that they have no clue about the outside world. And it was it was definitely a shock to me. Um, kind of, you know, maybe a bit, not not for everyone, but a bit before other people where I went into the workforce and have since moved out of my house and taken things onto my own to be like, to... Uh, to kind of take in the world it's it's been quite a sh- shock after just nothing but school but i don't th- i don't think for every job that it's it's necessarily necessary like like you're saying with the the pepsi box like the people carrying the pepsis around <laughs> like oh, that's ridiculous like what do you need a fucking masters for it's like you're picking boxes up when it comes like you you could be high of your mind on meth and you could probably still pick a box up you you said before you're talking about assistant jobs and superintendent jobs. Does that mean that if someone comes by with a degree, they're more likely to get the that position than you? Like, you know, yeah. degree yes. versus experience? Really? Straight up. Yes. And I know that's that's the truth for so many workplaces as well. Yeah. I I don't know if that's the way to go cuz I mean, nowadays it seems like they are really devaluing the experience like I brought up my dad before, you know, he's been working kind of a managerial position for like 20 years, but if he left that job and tried to go somewhere else, he wouldn't be able to get hired because he doesn't have that degree. So I guess the big question is how, how can, how can there be kind of an equalization between, you know, experience and the degree? Because I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think, I mean, obviously it provides a base level of uh, education, but I don't think degrees are really as valuable as they used to be, especially since we have all the resources online. Like if you want to go to school for a computer science degree, don't get me wrong, you'll definitely get a lot of stuff out of that, but you can self-teach yourself online. And yet, you know, you could have the same amount of skill, but because you don't have that piece of paper, 
now you're seen as you know inadequate in the eyes of the employers well it's it's not a piece of paper in that context that's a piece of paper that verifies your uh whatever the word in D D is proficiency there we go <laughs> with that field um if i go to get a job and uh actually I, I so i find that it's the opposite in the games industry but really i guess we can touch on that later um i just think if i go to get a job uh with just showing my resume i have four years of professors saying yes he's good enough to graduate um over this person who who has said to himself yes i'm good enough i want the job uh and as a hiring manager just looking at that i'm obviously going to pick the the person who is who's trained and qualified uh in a way that i can understand Okay, I, I get what you're saying with the verification, and it does, in a way, act like that. Considering, I, I think the greatest thing a degree shows is you have the ability to commit to those five years and stick with it, versus you know dropping out when you have the option. But I don't think the verification means as much as you say it does, because I mean, we could both graduate with, with a degree, and you know we could have someone like let's say Braden who just learns it himself. He could be even more proficient than us, but because you know we passed with like 51s and we have that degree to show for it then you know we automatically get picked even though technically he would be a better candidate so because the people who are picking the uh the resumes to go into the interview don't know that so could we create some type of, i i'm obviously we're not creating well, I'll, it but I'll, I'll talk on this a little bit because i think you're you're missing kind of the point to like going to university and college and whatnot is so people can become more more knowledgeable right yeah um but there's there's a very specific point for for mine um where i was talking where there is a diploma program which is which is two years and there's a certificate program which is i believe it is six or eight months um it it like if you look at the curriculum, they are they are one for one comparison, except one is faster. It's it's fast tracked, so there's slightly less information. Um, but they're basically a one to one comparison. Compl the certificate program is completely unrecognized. Really? If you have well, it, they won't even look at you. That's that seems like a bit of a an over not an over exaggeration, but it's over exaggeration on the part of whoever decided that. But my intuition is the person who's done it for more years is more knowledgeable. That's what that's what you would think, right? And since I've already gone through all these things, like you think that, okay, even if I just brushed up to get all this knowledge on the certificate program, I'd be okay, but it's not. And I mean, there's there's such a push for so many people to just... And it's, I'm not saying it's a bad thing for me to go and get that. I'm saying it, it might be like a little ridiculous, but... You see, there's just such a push to go right away. And just because there's so many people who go not knowing what they even want to do with it. And I've I've personally, it's a little anecdotal. I'm sure there's more out there. But I've personally met quite a few people at this point who have um, who've gone through, even gotten their up to their masters and does things like engineering. Yeah. And now they work at like an art shop. Or there's like, they do something completely unrelated to their to their to their field, or like they just don't pursue their field after. 
because it really doesn't matter. Like I've known countless people now who just go through for like a bachelor of arts because it's easy just so they can have the piece of paper and then they get into a, like a law firm. Yep. Like how does <laughs> that make happened. sense? Like I've, I know someone who did that. It just doesn't make sense. And there's so many people who go through not knowing what they want to do. They just go to go. And then that's it. They have no further plans after that. So that, that to me, like the push to go just to go is, is, is what really, is what really boggles my mind. Um, I think a lot more people should just take their time, enter the workforce and try and figure out their life because it's a lot of money and it's a lot of years wasted that you're not getting back for something you're never using again. Would you, would you really call it a waste though? Because you do become knowledgeable in whatever subject it is you study. Even if you don't directly use that subject after, you've still learned different skills like critical thinking skills, uh, how to analyze stuff. It depends on your program, right? Like, it, Yeah, but that's things you can learn through life experience. I would call it a waste of time if you're not going to use it again. Now, to get yeah. like... To get to get into like to like separate like individualism, right? Like we live, we live in a society in a world <laughs> really where everyone, we're like y y it's impossible for you to learn every single thing on in the world, right? Every single yeah. subject, learn how to do every single thing, right? We live so that we that everyone else does the rest of the work that you can't. So you provide something for me like learning how to be like being a carpenter i provide something for you being a mason right yeah you put up the wood i put up the brick we've accomplished something that the two of us that each individual couldn't accomplish together right so to then to to go and do something completely unproductive just is is a waste of time because you're not providing anything and you're not doing anything unless your favorite thing in the whole world is studying, you know? Okay. Maybe but then, maybe then the hundred thousand dollar enjoyment thrill ride is, is good for you. That, that creates a whole so. different conversation then because what do we consider productive? I mean, we have influencers nowadays, you know, being able to go on TikTok and shake your ass for a hundred K a year. How is that productive? Well, that's just do that. Well, yes. the only reason, <laughs> Well, it, okay, I wouldn't necessarily call it productive, but it provides value and entertainment. And the only reason they make so much money is because they have such a wide, vast audience who don't like. If every like you know, if a hundred thousand people donate a dollar, right? You're, you're making a hundred thousand dollars. You can simplify it, man. It's, Horny dudes. <laughs> right, but you know what I mean, right? It's like it's still like they didn't like. Oh, okay, I, I can't speak for everyone. I don't really know. But I assume they didn't go. Maybe they didn't go to university and college, right? Yeah. So they're they're just making money from not from not wasting their time with something they have, don't have an interest in. Yeah, that's a fair point. I I would still I think fundamentally I I, I would just disagree with you on the fact that it brings no value because I think what you gotta do is you gotta separate the content from you know the skills, right? Because I can, you know, going to university, even if I wasn't going to pursue something in the subject of psych, I still, you know, learn how to write an essay. I learn how to pitch, you know, a project or something. 
And, you know, hell, maybe I could go become a project manager somewhere as my job. <laughs> and I know it, it does seem counterintuitive because, you know, I spent so much time studying a specific subject. And yes, you could get those skills from elsewhere. But first of all, having that, you know, degree shows and verifies that, you know, I've learned those skills. And second of all, I mean, like, you know, maybe I wouldn't have picked that up through just general life experience. I think maybe degrees in general might act as a motivator for people to actually, you know, do this shit. I mean, as much as I say you could learn this stuff by yourself, who has the motivation to sit there for eight hours a day studying like psych or studying engineering? Some people for sure, but I think a lot of people need that kick in the ass that university and college gives you, right? I think that's the problem with a lot of the younger generation. And I don't know, maybe this is just my personal feelings, but uh, maybe because I'm old school, even though I'm the same age as everyone else. <laughs> um, but I think like things like that, it's just, it's just a shelter because they don't know what they're doing. Like things like that, I think should be, should be earned. If you want those skills, then go and find them. Like <laughs> find the skills. Right? If you need that kick in the ass, well then you're just lazy and maybe you don't even really care that much. Yeah. Right? Yeah, if you I, want I something, go and find, go and do it. You don't if need you, school. If you're, not, if you're not gonna do something without some kind of external motivation or, or shoving in that direction, then is that even something that you want to be doing? Well, with my program, there was a, a, a large, large portion of students every single year who just join it because because they play video games. You need to come into game development knowing that you're developing games, and that's what you want to do. And the same applies for everything else. So in that case, we're looking at the intrinsic uh, motivation versus the extrinsic motivation, which... For you guys uh, unfamiliar, intrinsic is just kind of the, you know, feel-good feelings. Like, you know, you play basketball because you enjoy it. You love running around, shooting coops. You, you know, feel that, you know, burst of energy whenever you score versus, like, extrinsic, which would be, like, you know, you play because you make $100,000 every, you know, year you play basketball or something. So there's two different types of motivators. But I think to that, what you're saying there, Pratt, I, I do think, you know, I, no, I think you just straight up uh, took out extrinsic motivation. I think a lot of people pursue different careers because it's like, yeah, I can do this. And B, it makes me a lot of money. Well, a lot be, making a lot of money is fine, but it's not necessarily necessary for you to go to university. No. Like, do you need to go to university to be an accountant? Not yes. really. Well, not really. <laughs> like, they teach you. <laughs> like you, you don't though right like it's oh, just no. math <laughs> you have to, you have to learn to be an accountant fuck i would love that dude it, not not this isn't to shit on you but i would love to see like you know braden hill accounting <laughs> self-starter <laughs> well it's I, different because i've never been good with numbers you, you have a point though and i mean does this fall on the school though or does it fall on the person because i think you've talked a lot about on the person there braden was saying like it should be on the person no one has no one takes personal pride in anything anymore and it sickens me how do you think that i went out how do you think that i learned irrigation right did i go to school university did i go to did i go to university and sit in the classroom for eight hours a day for two weeks to for, learn about it in that curriculum no i went to the field i dug it up from the fucking ground and i cut it out and i started gluing pieces together until it worked that's how i learned 
And if it didn't work, guess who's digging that hole back up tomorrow? It was me. Yeah. <laughs> People no. are too soft today. So I'm going to go start a psychology firm. Okay. Um, I'm just going to start diagnosing patients. <laughs> and when they come back to me, <laughs> because... <laughs> Because they're not they're not uh, better, then I'll just try again. What would well, you diagnose the thing me with? Is why why couldn't you though? Right? If you were bad at it, I mean, people just don't come. I mean, exactly. like I'm not saying I'm not saying go to school for psychology. Like I'm not saying that school is not worth something. It definitely is for a lot of people, right? It's it's a lot easier for people to better themselves. But I think like maybe people should. I don't know, like people should go out into the world and maybe like intern with a psychology, a psychologist's office. So you get experience first and go to school after like just spending your whole life in school and then expecting to go out and do something like what you don't have any experience. All you, all you have is this knowledge and that's it. I think, right. I, I mean, think that's what I did. Part of the difficulty, though, comes in with certain jobs. You really can't get that hands-on experience without first getting that degree. Because, you know, speaking from psychologists or psychology, you're saying that, yeah, just go to a psychologist's office and intern there. You have to, I'm pretty sure you have to be a master's student to do a lot of that. And we, at my school, we have a co-op program. So it does give you kind of hands-on experience. But, you know, I'll be, I'll be fucked. I, I can't find anything psychology related. Don't get me wrong. You can get some pretty, like, you know, if you cast a wide net, sure, you could sit there and be like an admin, like administrative assistant at a psych firm. I think I saw that once. But outside of that, there's not a lot of like on the job, like hands on type stuff that you would find with, you know, a field like yours. And don't get me wrong, you could do that for a lot of fields. Like I'm sure you could, you know, intern at, yeah, there's a lot of like business type interns, which, you know, I think would advocate for your point. But you know, I think with the standard of certain healthcare, like you just don't have those opportunities. Well, you just proved the. You just said one yourself, right? Like even if you're being an administrative assistant, assistant, you're in the field, you're getting experience, you're learning. It's like, yeah, but that's he, the equivalent of being a janitor at a school. Learn, right? Am I am I getting experience teaching by being a janitor at a school? Yes. <laughs> No, sir. Like, answer me that, because I, I totally agree with you. I think people do need to get experience first, and I don't think it should be like hypocrite myself, of course. But I certainly think we need to stop pushing kids into university when they have no idea what the fuck they want to do, and end up with fifty k in debt afterwards with no idea how to pay that off. But there are some fields where you just can't get that true experience that you would get with the job i mean you can get you know close in some like i said you know entering a, a fucking accounting firm or something but in other places you just don't have that option yeah i mean i just kind of like you look at you look at the trades right yeah like if you're going to a trade school um you you do you do like a little you do like maybe a month of in class just just to kind of brush up on your knowledge and after that uh your apprenticeship starts and until you're certified and, and to be certified you're working under someone um you're working someone out under like another mechanic for example for 500 hours yeah right you there's no there's no schooling there 
it's nothing but hands-on experience, right? Because you could sit there all day, every day, and read about an engine and the exact science of combustion. But is that going to teach you everything you need to know to, to fix every single car and every single problem, right? No, because right, all radiators and stuff look different. Yeah. All, right, all valve caps look different. They're all different sizes. Are you going to read about every single one? No. <laughs> no. You just you look it up as you need to go. And of course, for things like psychology, it's different because I uh, I don't know if this is the right wording, but it's it's like I don't know if it's all it's not all necessarily like I don't want to say it's not real, but like it's all like about in people's heads, right? There's a lot of theoretical with there. First of all, there's a lot of theoretical, and second of all, I mean. It's hard to find indicators. There's some stuff which, you know, there is no real science except for what the person tells you. Yeah, I don't mean like it's not like it's not real science or like that. That's not real. Like, yeah, I understand a lot of it is theoretical, but I mean, like in a way that's not it's not like an in the real world thing. Like it's in somebody's head. So it's a little it's a little different. Yeah. uh, From my perspective, but no, there's there's certainly a degree of separation there. Like you know, you you can sit there and you know be an auto sh- auto shop apprentice and you can see the tire, you can see like you know what you're working with. Whereas if you're, I guess, apprenticing for a psychologist, like there's, I think the signs are a lot more subtle, right, in that field. Um, but yeah, no, um, I certainly would support something like that. Where I mean, I, we do see that nowadays. You know, I think when you're in your master's program or I think it's masters. You tend to do t- some type of residency. I think both in the psych program and obviously if you're uh, training to become a doctor, you do do some like you know applied learning. So it's not like you just go study for eight years and then become a general practitioner. So we are yeah. seeing that, but I, I do think there would be value, as you're saying, to introduce that earlier. Like, why am I waiting, you know, five six years to do that instead of starting it earlier on in like year three or four or something? Yeah, and I think I'm I'm really I, and you see a big kind of shift as well, which is which has actually been a great positive, which is a lot of programs now are like even in first year they're starting to say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna roll some credits back, and you're gonna be doing co-ops now, right? Yep. Um, which is a way for you to get, um, which is a way for you to get in the real world experience hopefully in your field we know like a lot of a lot of it is just like silly nonsense basically like we know i know one friend that we all share specifically who's in a co-op that has literally nothing to do with the chosen path like it's just a job that counts for i don't even know what reason oh certainly (laughs) um yeah so i think Pratt, do you kind of have a perspective here from more of the game industry side? Like you guys had an internship um, in last year, right? At being a recent well, graduate. So that was that was my thing. Um, I don't remember when I brought this up, but I brought this up in a conversation I was having before. Uh, that <laughs> at my school, one of the requirements to graduate is some some form of work experience. Um, it's either starting uh, a game development firm and being successful with that, uh, working for a company in the field, or or working under one of the professors as a sort of equivalent of a research assistant. Um, and in that capacity, it's important 
because, like I said earlier, I think it's very different in the games industry that that people don't look for degrees. Um, and while given two hires that have the exact same qualifications, um, let's say me and my friend who we're going to call Blaz uh, work on a game together, <laughs> and then we both apply at Nintendo, and Nintendo has to pick one of us, they're probably like going to pick me because I have a degree and the exact same other requirement or, or certific certifications uh, stuff that's been done, right? But beyond that, in the games industry, it really is what you've done, who you know. Um, I have uh, the gift of having a great leg up over the competition because I now have Far Cry 6 on my resume. And, like, my degree has suddenly been outshined completely. Because who cares that I graduated a program in game development? I'm a professional game developer. It's what I do. Uh, that's my that's my thought there. But my other thought I had was that this whole idea of a post-secondary education really all stems from the... Um, is perversion the right word? I think it is. Of the university system, which started out as an opportunity to research and further scientific and theoretical fields. And somehow over the course of history, has turned into just another school. Oh, yeah. You yeah. used to go to university in the same capacity that you would go to an apprenticeship with a technician to become a mechanic. You go to university to become a university professor and researcher. Like, but that's what don't. I was... I was going to touch on that as well, right? Is there's... Now, like, every single person wants to go into some sort of... some form of research, Right. Like no one wants to work. Basically, they all just want to. <laughs> they all just want to come up with an idea, write their thesis, collect their paychecks. But that's why you see so many people out there with with jobs at like even like McDonald's, even though they're like a marine biologist, right? Yeah. Because there's there's only so many there's only so many researchers that can be in the world before there's nobody doing anything else. Yeah. No, you're that or you're stuck with doing something small and, and menial that you're not happy with. Like, I mean, other than working at McDonald's. I mean, like, researching in marine <laughs> biology the way that, that phytoplankton behave under different types of light, you know? Yeah. And that's yeah. probably not something into. No offense to someone who's into that. I just True. dropped off a Lego I was fiddling with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think you definitely have a point on that. I mean, it's it's saturation, right? Like, I remember one guy complaining uh, a couple years ago that he couldn't get a job because he studied the history of dinosaurs and he was bitching how he couldn't get a job in the field. But how many jobs are there available in that field? Very few, right? So, I, well, I go ahead. I mean, it's also it's also to the point, right, where people. There's like this is the problem with be everyone going to school as well, right? Is like who's becoming a business owner these days? I don't know a single person, like personally. Right? Uh, Coach Apparel. Everyone. What's that? Coach Apparel. Yeah, but he's not doing that anymore. Yes, he is. I don't what? Are you is kidding he? me? Yeah, he's been putting out new. Re There's a new release coming in a couple of days, I think, or yeah, next month. Why would he stop? He's booming. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but he has another job though, right? I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think he's just going to school. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so yeah, I, I know one person, right? And, and he actually, he's done a great job. But um, oh, yeah. I mean, like everyone coming out of universities expecting to work somewhere, right? Is is to is to find a workplace that they can go. No one wants to create their own thing. Like that friend of yours, he should have enough knowledge. He should be able to to come up with it. He could come up with his own research phone for research firm. Or he could just start doing research and public, publishing papers on his own, right? Yeah. But there's also standards, like, right? Like where you got to – are they going to accept a paper to one of these journals that is independently done by like a third year or fourth year who has no association with any type of university or anything? I'd find it hard to – I think it would be hard to get that accepted. If he has by now to come up with theories, then what's the point in going? There's some there's it's 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 the idea of verification. I think I think I think that's what it's ultimately come to. I think it's it's almost like showing your worth through this. Ver like not, it's showing your worth through a socially acceptable means. Like you could sit there and you could come up with a ridiculous amount of theories and have them all be right, but. Your word alone versus, you know, these people that are in these highly esteemed positions are worth not a lot, <laughs> right? But if he, he should be armed with the knowledge now after going through his entire program to come up with a, come up with a theory, find evidence, like support that evidence. Have su He should know. I mean, God, he went to school with how many professors and whatnot. He should know someone enough to be able to peer review it and then maybe send it off to somewhere else, right? To another company, I certainly, to I, NPR, I certainly right? think that they could do it. Do, don't do them anymore. I I think that they could do it. Like there's there's nothing stopping them from actually going through the process and having the knowledge to go through the process. But I just think that since they're not associated with you know some type of highly esteemed university, they wouldn't be taken as seriously, which I think might be part of the issue. That's what I mean as well, right? Is so many, so many people go to to follow their dreams. Well, if you're not prepared to be broke for the rest of your life, oh yeah, <laughs> you should keep going. That's what following your dreams is, right? Like yeah. you can you can study dinosaurs till the freaking cows come home, right? But if no one's gonna hire you, you're gonna be dead ass broke exactly. working at McDonald's. That's how this happens? It's just how it is sometimes <laughs> but okay so we've established what the person could do themselves as in you know like go to the workforce go out to the workforce first find out what they want to do through that way and you know they can also do a little more research before attending an academic institution like maybe intern at you know an accounting office or something like that or even like a legal firm right so is there but mind you these are like you know what 17 18 year olds who are making these decisions is there something the schools could be doing like the high schools to you know better equip students for this type of reality like right now we're seeing the push for degree programs by high schools like hey you know what you can go to western university you can go to yale like you can apply here and they're putting out the resources and saying hey this is what not this is what you should do but you know, it's making it seem very glamorous and there's not a lot of like, hey, be aware that, you know, you will have to throw like $45,000 into this. It's so hard to say because like you look at like 
school in itself, like teaching everyone more knowledge, you you can't look at a bad as a bad thing. But like anyone who's not going into anything math related, like like video game design might be math related, right? Um, of course, there's some math uh, involved in like golf course architecture. You know, there's there's always some form, but it, I almost guarantee you, it's never gonna come into my life where I'm like, oh man, I really, I'm really glad I remembered the formula to formulate the curve of a parab- parabola. Never. <laughs> it's it's it's. I mean, it's something to say that's like everyone, every child in Canada knows how to do that, but it's not necessary at the same time. And it's hard to say because, like, yeah, like I think more focused classes to what people want to do would be great but it's impossible to decide what you want to do at such a young age as well oh yeah <laughs> I, I don't really know what a great solution would be but you know you'd hope that all these people turning out of fucking university might be able to come up with one. Oh yeah especially for all the time to spend there right Pratt, yeah. do you have any uh, ideas on that on what anything schools could be doing to kind of you know thwart the idea that you know everyone needs to go to university or college and you know kind of make people aware of kind of the reality of what they're getting into my thought on that is that uh post-secondary schools would never do that because the more Mm -hmm. people they bring in the more money they're making a lot of these institutions are established and live off of the whole uh tuition thing we're talking we're talking about high schools though okay okay um not get paid off by big universities. <laughs> uh, it's it's a whole mentality thing, um, and I think it is part of the job of the guidance counselor to make those those students aware of that. Like Mister Redacted, um, yeah. at me down in his office when it was my turn, and we discussed what I should do. He pushed me towards computer science, even though I wanted to do uh, doctor stuff, and I'm happy he did. Because now I feel SpongeBobby living the dream job, um, but it really was his duty to say, "Hey, I, I guess he didn't. Uh, hey, you're going to be spending a lot of money doing this. Um, you're going into a very niche program, specifically you. Um, <laughs> think it through. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, guns. Can, that's what they're there for, right? <laughs> so." They're a guidance counselor. They're supposed to bring the best out of every student. But it, uh, but and... it's hard for like because I know someone like me. Like I didn't necessarily think that this was something that I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Um, you know, being young, right? I I I'd only I wouldn't necessarily do the most fun jobs out there or like be completely involved in the process at the time. Yeah, like I do things like in the fall blow the leaves you know change pins every now and again you know maybe cut grass every now and again a lot of time raking bunkers things like that when you first start right so i didn't know that this was what i wanted to do or how much i would end up enjoying myself um but like at the time like when i was sat down with mr redacted like and they would ask they would ask like so what what are you interested in when you want to do it's like well i know i have my interests but i know it's also it's not something that's attainable to me, right? Like I'm not that good of a musician where I'm going to be able to make something out of this. I just don't really have that creative that creative side on that. 
like I'm not a songwriter and I haven't it's always been a good like passion and a fun time but I haven't put the effort forward to to really make it something where I could live off that yeah um sports is sort of the same thing right I was never that good that I could make a career out of that um so when they sit you down they're like what are you interested in? I'm like well I'm interested in these things but it's, that's never going to work out and even I know that and I don't know what I'm going to do and they just have no way to help you and so like like I shared like last time I shared my experience about uh my college experience it's like well I don't know I guess I'll just I don't know this maybe I could do this maybe I'll just I'll just go then right because I had no clue no one was no one helped me yeah I and it, it, you're right in the sort of way that well if if you're not if you're not doing this better go back go better go to school go do something right it never occurred to me at the time it's like well why don't I just why don't I just chill right yeah. why don't I just why don't I just relax for a year work do my thing make some money and decide right because it's also a push right it's like oh I'm, but I'm not going to be with my friends right like I know people are going to the same school you know, I can room with them. It'll be great. It's like, but in the reality, like those are all people that I don't talk to anymore. So it what didn't matter anyways. Yeah. At the time, it seemed like a big deal. Oh, I'm I mean, to all of us, I'm pretty sure, right? Like, the idea it moving on from high school is such a big change, and you know, for a lot of people, like when you when you go off to university, it's yeah, I didn't talk to you that much in high school, but now I know nobody else. So, you know, we might get closer together. But um, I, I think you honestly, I think you nailed it when it came to the person perspective. Uh, Pratt, I think you've definitely illustrated a good point saying that the guidance counselors, you know, a lot of the responsibility falls on them. Me personally, I think one of the biggest things they should do is kind of illust- like illustrate the reality in concrete forms. Because just as an example, the way my dad kind of showed gambling to me was he sat there and he took like, I think I had like a $20 bill. He's like, oh, you want to gamble that? I'm like, yeah. He took the $20 bill. He took a lighter under it. And he was like, you really want to gamble? And he's like, no, don't fucking burn my $20 bill. And he's like, look, you know, if you're willing to gamble, you need to be willing to see that $20 bill, you know, go up in flames, right? So... Not that, you know, getting a degree is, you know, throwing $45,000 up into flames, but I think most people don't understand the reality of how much $45,000 is and how hard it is to get out of a debt like that, which none of that is ever talked about in schools, I don't think, (laughs) at least not at our school, really. So, no, I think we like, like to me, like as a kid, um, like money didn't seem like that big a deal when you have no expenses. Yeah. But now when you look at like the prices of housing and you're like, all right, 700,000, 800,000 <laughs> and you have to pay, you know, let's say for example, like five, you know, 5% at, let's say a house is 500,000 for a small place. Yeah. You have to pay, you know, 10% of that. What is that? Like $75,000, 50,000. Fifty thousand, ten percent down payment. So, I guess five percent is twenty five thousand dollars. It's like, where do you come up with that kind of money? <laughs> um, for a lot of people, I think it's just money that's been passed on, like a grandmother stuff like that, or yeah. you've worked for it, well, right? I was, I was look, I was kind of reading a, uh, I was kind of reading a, uh, 
I don't even know what you'd call it. Sort of like, I guess, like an article thing. And they were saying that, uh, like, like these, like the generation now, like our parents, like they're really the first generation ever that's been unable to pass on something to their kids or like, you know, and even some cases like have a debt. Yeah. Right. Like their parents die in debt and they have nothing or they have nothing to. So like, what are, what are we supposed to do? (laughs) You know, it's, I mean, even now, like if you, if you've seen the way the housing, I'm sure you both have seen this and, you know, know about the horrible reality of how inflated our housing markets are, but we're the, in Canada, we're the worst in the world. And I think it was for our parents realistically it was like they needed four they should look at a house that's like ideally like look at a house that's four times their income per year or i think even seven times for us we're looking at like a minimum of like 11 times our income it's ridiculous it's it's it seems impossible to buy a house nowadays so especially when you've got that forty five thousand dollars student debt so i think it's i think it's just about education right like from the schools, you know, from yourself, from your parents. And I think, you know what, even trade should be pushed more. Even for me, I thought the biggest thing was the smaller stuff. Like when I, instead of like, I started looking on job boards a lot recently just to kind of determine what I want to do. And I was seeing stuff like, oh, I could go to, I could go to, you know, the University of Guelph and become a admissions coordinator. Or I could go become like a blockchain developer or like a legal assistant or something. That is never anything I heard about in school. It was always like in careers and civics class, it'd be, oh, you know, like you want to do law, go become a lawyer. Oh, you want to do biology, go become a biologist. I don't think we ever heard of a lot of these, you know, kind of middle jobs which I feel is what a lot of people do because they get out of their degree programs, find out about these. And then, you know, that psych degree just, you know, ended up making them like an admissions counselor. I mean, it's, it's also, it's hard to say whether that's like necessarily like a thing outside of our school since we all went to the same school. Of course. (laughs) But, you know, this, this is our experience anyways. Oh, for sure. And I mean, everyone's experiences will vary, but I think overall we've done a solid job in kind of thinking like, you know, what, at least from our perspectives, what some type of solutions could be. Um, I guess to put it on a little more of a lighter note, uh, what's your favorite ice cream flavor, guys? (laughs) Easy peasy. Pistachio. Pistachio. Right? Yeah. Like the nut? Yeah. Yeah. Pistachio ice cream. I don't think I've ever had it. Oh, you should try. It's nothing like you'd expect. Nick, I, ex- I especially think you should try it. Really? <laughs> he's I mean, I, I can't even participate in this conversation. I got I to gotta expand and say my favorite sorbet flavor. Yeah, my favorite sorbet flavor is. But I, 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 is right. You can't even have ice cream. No. That's so sad. Uh, you know what? It, can, you have, can you have gelato? No? I don't know. I don't. Maybe? <laughs> I can have sorbet. Isn't sorbet like the ice cream equivalent? <laughs> sorbet. What? You don't know what sorbet is? No. Oh my gosh. You you're so uneducated. Oh. It's it's literally ice cream instead of being made with milk, it's made with soy. You can buy the Wait, chocolate is it, stuff. How do you spell 
spell it? Uh, S-O-R-P-E-T. I, th- I think. <laughs> but Sorry, wait, go again. S-O-R-B-E-T. Sorbet. Sorbet. Oh, sorbet. Sorbet. Yeah, sorbet. Sorbet, also called water ice or Italian <laughs> ice. ice. Oh, my gosh. It's water ice. <laughs> Sugar-sweetened water with flavoring, typically fruit juice. Oh, my God. That sounds so pathetic so when you read it out. So they just take Kool-Aid and pour it on fucking slushy. I mean, <laughs> they take milk and put it on a slushy. What's the difference? Milk is good. Do you really oh, need to like have it co- come out of a cow's udder to enjoy it? It's yes. like a slush puppy. Dude, slush puppies are dope. I don't know what you're talking about. I've had one of those in so long. Same. Same. Uh, I no <laughs> slush puppies. Dude, I love slush puppies so much, but the unfortunate reality is it always dries up like last quarter of it. Hey, it's just ice. Yeah, you yeah. spin it all around. You like you. you I know, and you guys probably did this, right? Like when you would always like to spin it around to try and retain some of the uh, flavor. Or yeah, no idea what you're talking about. No, really, you guys never did that. You tell me, like when you were drinking your slush puppy, you just sip. You just sipped it from the straw. You didn't take the straw and like move it around the container to try and mix it up. Well, I I, I kind of did, I guess. Yeah, I mean that's how that's how you retain it. I mean, eventually, you know, the, it's a lost cause, but you know, you, you can still retain some of the flavor, probably down to the last like eighth or something of it. Yeah, no, for me, like, fuck, man, I, I miss blue raspberry slush puppies. <laughs> they used to have them around town here, and they're so tasty. But you know, I, well, any I, juice I have the ones at like the arena. Pardon. For sure. You just have the ones at the arena. Those are, I think, Jolly Rancher ones, actually. <gasps> I don't remember. Dude, the, the one thing good. you guys should watch out for, though, is don't you, you want to choose where you get your slushies from because there's one place called, uh, well, it rhymes with Letro Canada, and they don't really clean their machines. I've seen photos Metro of Canada. mold in them. Like... They'll leave the syrup there for two years and let it mold up. It's disgusting. Now, if you go to Seven Eleven, flavor is. <laughs> yeah, actually, I don't know if you guys remember this, but back in grade school, it used to be like you would put every flavor in the slushy, and they would call it swamp water. No, 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 no. no. Oh, okay, well maybe, but I always did that as a kid at like the McDonald's where you get like yeah. yes, ew. <laughs> the drink into one only really like taco bell kfc though because like like mcdonald's sprite literally tastes like freaking medicine Ew, i don't know what anyone's going on about it. i guess i've never had mcdonald's sprite oh it's bad but there's like <laughs> memes everywhere it's bad i've never had a problem with mcdonald's sprite what's what's wrong with I it i want to try it what what is your guys's favorite pop though like mine <sighs> top top here like, all right, I'm actually, I'm actually getting off the stuff now. Like, I've been drinking Sprite for the past little <laughs> yeah. while, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna be stopping that. You're attending the uh, PA meetings. The what? The what meetings? Popaholics Anonymous. Yeah. Oopers Anonymous. Sponsored by the Gravescast. Um, but I can tell you my all-time top favorite, Dr Pepper. Really. 
Best Ooh, one out yeah. there. Yeah, Dr. Pepper's really good. No, uh, Mountain Dew, Mountain Dew Voltage. Dude, Dr. Pepper's like mid-tier. I like A&W Root Beer. <laughs> I like A&W Root Beer before they changed the recipe. They changed the recipe? Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's not the same anymore. I don't know. I haven't had it in forever. I. It's kind of gross now, honestly. Dude, in, in general, pop is just... <laughs> Like, I look at Mountain Dew Voltage, that's my favorite pop, and it's like 72 grams of sugar. You can literally see the sugar molecules floating in it. It's That's because you drink Mountain Dew. What do you expect? What? What's wrong? Dude, Dr. Pepper, don't get me wrong, Dr. Pepper's satisfying, but I cannot drink that, like, you know, weekly. It'd be like, you know, once in a blue I can drink moon. that daily. Fuck, I thought you were a Sprite guy. Well, I'm just saying I could. I'm not saying I do. <laughs> I, I mean... To be honest, I don't with even you. like Sprite that much. It's just it's a bit healthier than the other ones. I, I feel like it's that's just sugar lime water. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but what light, slightly less sugar? Why don't not why like don't you get started on uh, sparkling water? Oh, oh sparkling dude, water don't... fantastic! What are you saying? It's the most, club soda is the most disgusting garbage you could ever you think of me? in your life. I go to McDonald's and I get club soda. I know, you'd go to the freaking Legion, you'd be like, oh, can I get a club soda? Fuck yeah! You get a club soda and a round of pool. <laughs> exactly, oh, dude. Club soda is disgusting. <laughs> Although, I will tell you, President's, specifically, President's Choice Sparkling Lemonade is the shit. You know what, I'm gonna go get a club soda right after this podcast ends. Uh, maybe we can get a sponsored by Sweps or something. So my love for club soda started when my family won a soda stream. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> and my oh, mom no. hated it. She just she like, hated it. Not in the house, yeah. And then I was like, no, no, this is the coolest thing ever. So of course, the first thing I tried was carbonating orange juice. That got everywhere. Then I tried carbonating milk, right? And then I followed the Ew. instructions. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, have you ever seen cold ones? There's a podcast where they actually did that. They tried to carbonate everything. They put like eggs in there, pickles in there, fucking. Oh, that's awesome. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Brine soda. Yeah, actually. <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway, shortly after that, I started using it as directed, and then I ran out of syrup, and I just tried the carbonated water, and I was like, oh, "Why did no one tell me this is good? It's tingly. It hurts my mouth." <laughs> It's like uh, a canker sore then. in liquid form. <laughs> ever since then, I just really like club soda. Dude, I mean, you can drink it every day. There's nothing There's nothing wrong with it. You put a little well, flavor I mean, like, in it. Yeah, Canned club soda's got a lot of salt. Uh, yeah. 60 milligrams per can, I'm pretty sure. So that's like, what, 0.5? How do you know that off, off your head? I'm a club soda <laughs> addict. You can't. You can't stop me. This, this is my life. Hard. It's my go-to. <laughs> I, th- Dude, and like bubbly. Have you not tried bubbly? Mm-hmm. I have tried bubbly. You need to try bubbly then, because I, I think you, your opinion could be turned around. I refuse around. to suck on the cock of Michael Bublé. Yeah, and Pratt, Pratt here loves <laughs> the mm-hmm. Bublé. <laughs> <laughs> uh I really want to try the peach bubbly. Dude, me too. That's actually the one I'm looking huh. forward to the most. I think they have like orange. Uh, what's what are the new ones? There's it's not dragon fruit. It's you sure it's not dragon fruit? That sounds that rings a bell. Uh, I don't know, man. But... Hey, we have the two hour mark perfectly. There we Sorry go. 
<laughs> All right, you can end it now. <laughs> no, but seriously, like the. Hi, everybody. It's Peach. <laughs> it's Peach, and I don't know what else, man. But, anyways, uh, I don't think you told us what your favorite uh, ice cream was, Brayden. Ooh, okay. You just turned into uh, pop and your own problems, so. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know. It's hard to say. Like, I I guess like, are we are we thinking like, like ice cream that you can just like buy in like a tub of the grocery store? Is that what we mean? Because like, if I'm getting like a blizzard from like DQ or something, I'm getting cookie dough every time. Uh, I think it would just be by tub. That's just like vanilla ice cream, though, right? Yeah. But my yeah, my favorite ice cream, like just ice cream, ice cream is probably. No, it is definitely mint chip. Mint chip. Damn, dude. Why mint Ooh, chip? I don't... Well, I mean, I, I've never had it, so I, I really just don't know. <laughs> well, it's it's just basically, it's like, I believe that it is vanilla ice cream mixed with mint. Okay. And the chip is chocolate, little chocolate slivers. Ooh. That actually it does sound pretty tasty. Good. Fuck. I wish I had the opportunity to have it, but I definitely don't. From... Yeah, but instead you're a freaking mutant freak. Yeah, fucking uh, water flavored water ice. <laughs> I prefer uh, cherry. That's my favorite. Italian water. Italian ice water, cherry. Cherry's a classic. Just can't beat it. I love cherries. Can't wait till they come in season soon. I don't think I've I, I've never actually been a fan of like straight up cherry, just cherry flavor. Really? Yeah, I don't know. It just I don't, like I'll have like naturally cherry flavor. Like it doesn't have to be artificial. But I mean, in general, I just eh, I don't know. I've never like maybe the, we can get to a whole discussion about the food tier list again. Oh hell yeah, maybe next time. But for now, like you guys said, I think we're uh, out of time. So. Thank you for coming on. Uh, it was great to have you both on for the TriCast. Uh, probably just to let you know, there is now a apple, mango, a grapefruit, and lemon bubblies. <laughs> so everyone stay tuned for that. Uh, if, we got to do a taste test cast. Oh my God, dude. When COVID's over, we totally will. We'll, be, we'll, we'll make Brayden to a bubbly addict. Yes. <sighs> One can at a time. But yeah, uh, if you want to catch this podcast afterwards, you can go on anchor.fm slash gravescast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, really wherever the hell you listen to podcasts. If you want to leave a voice... Sorry, (laughs) where did you say we could find the Gravescast? On Spotify, iTunes, and wherever the hell you want to listen to your podcasts. Watch your language. I'm I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm I'm hyped. I talked about Apple, iPhone. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. This podcast. Well, brand brand recognition. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. And remember our sponsors, Honey and Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> what about me? Buy and play today. What about me? Where I get to shout out Tommy Raynode. Oh, yes. Feel free. Do you, do you boys have yeah, any I'd shout outs to... <laughs> before we end off? I'd like to give a big shout out to my best friend, Tommy Raynode. Uh, hope you reply to my Facebook messages. <laughs> Dude, this is gonna be like a saga, man. It'll be like next episode will be Tommy Reno finally responded to my message. This is what he said. Uh anyways, anchor.fm slash gravescast, Spotify, iTunes, wherever, leave a voicemail if you want. See you guys later. 
thanks for coming on and we will see you guys in a couple of weeks with the CEO and owner and writer and really everything of the Green Bean Food Blog. All right. Wait, I'm on again? Oh, Jesus. Ah, All right. We're out of here. Bye, everybody. See ya. Uh,